2003, Terry Melander, he started a small church with his wife in Northern Virginia, in the States. But then in 2016, Terry was arrested for a $2 million fraud scheme that had victimised many people, including members of his own church. According to the court records, Terry recruited investors by saying that he was going to help poor people in developing countries by providing small loans to entrepreneurs while promising his investors a guaranteed rate of return. But in reality, he used this money to conduct high-risk day trading on the foreign exchange market, as well as finance a lavish lifestyle, including, including golf trips and parties and a $1.75 million home. And then when the money was gone, when he lost it all, he promised to pay it back through a Nigerian oil trading scheme. But again, the only one who benefited from that was himself. And so two years ago, Terry was sentenced to eight years in prison. But he sadly passed away just two years, or just one year later, with his reputation and his ministry destroyed. Now, of course, that is an extreme example. But it's not a unique example. Far too many Christians' lives have been ruined, negatively impacted by their dealings with money. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was aware of that danger. And so, in this next chapter of his letter to the Corinthians, Paul showed how carefully he dealt with the issue of money. Even to the extent of setting aside his right to it. But he didn't just do that because he understood the dangers of money. It was also because it reflected the priorities in his life. His priority was not his rights, or his finances, or his comfort. Instead, it was the kingdom of God. And so this passage is a challenge to all of us. Because whatever our situation in life, or our role in ministry, how we handle money reveals our priorities. It shows what is important to us. It shows us what we really value the most. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, uh, verse 1 down to verse 18 this morning. And Tree's going to come up and he's going to read our passage for us. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defence to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? 
Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because when the ploughman ploughs and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have the right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rites, and I am not writing this in the hope that you would do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Thank you very much, Trieve. In the, the previous chapter, Paul had urged the Corinthians to be careful in using their rights so that they didn't cause anybody else to stumble in their faith. And here Paul illustrated that principle from, his, from an example from his own life. But to do that, he first of all had to establish what his rights were. And so that's why in verse 1 he started by saying, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? The apostles were those who were personally chosen and sent and authorised by Jesus to teach the message of the gospel and lay a foundation for the building of the church. And the apostle Paul obviously was one of them. But many people didn't like what he taught. And so they questioned whether he really was one of those apostles or not. And so here Paul kind of presented his CV to show that he really was an apostle. One of the qualifications for an apostle of Jesus was that they'd seen, they were an eyewitness of the risen Christ. They'd seen Jesus risen from the grave themselves. So Paul asked, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Of course, that happened when he was on the road to Damascus, when, when he saw Jesus face to face. The apostles were also given amazing ability to perform special signs and wonders and miracles to attest to the message that they preached. And so Paul, in his second letter to this, this church, he said this, the things that mark an apostle and signs, wonders and miracles were done among you. 
with great perseverance. But much more than that, the church itself was the evidence that Paul's ministry was genuine. If you look at verse 1 again, are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Other people might question whether Paul really was an apostle or not, but this church in Corinth shouldn't, because they were the fruit of Paul's ministry. They were Paul's reference, basically, because they were evidence that God had worked through Paul in their lives. As he says in verse 2, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. You're the evidence that proves that it's genuine. And so Paul could prove that he really was an apostle. He really did speak with that authority. But that meant that he had the same rights as all the other apostles. If Paul was an apostle, then he had the rights that came along with being an apostle. And here Paul mentions three of them. Have a look at verse 4. First of all, don't, don't we have the right to food and drink? So this word right is a key word in this passage. It means authority or freedom of choice or privilege. So Paul was saying he had the right to be welcomed as an apostle and to be cared for by the Christians that he was ministering to. To have his needs for food and drink to be supplied by them. Then secondly, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? Celibacy was not a requirement for serving Jesus. Apostles like Jesus' brothers and Peter, they all were married. They all had wives. So Paul, he also had the freedom of the support and the encouragement and the companionship of a Christian wife. And then lastly, verse 6, Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Paul had worked as a tent maker in order to provide for him and, and his teams in needs when he was ministering in his missionary journeys. But as an apostle, he had the right to be supported by the Christians that he was ministering to. So that he could be full time in, 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 in preaching God's word. And these rights were not just for apostles. These rights are for everyone who devotes themselves to preaching the gospel. Paul actually showed this in this passage through four pieces of evidence. Let's just run down them uh, really quickly. Uh, verse 7. We know this, first of all, from everyday experience. Workers should be paid for their work. Okay? So, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of his grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of its milk? Soldiers, farmers, shepherds should get paid for their service. In the same way, a Christian leader is like a soldier who's fighting a spiritual battle. He's like a farmer who is, who is uh, planting a spiritual field. He's like a, a shepherd watching over a spiritual flock. So he should be rewarded for his work. Then secondly, Paul quoted from the Old Testament law. 
Don't muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. And Paul shows how that's not just about animal welfare, but it's even more relevant to those who work in God's work. Verse 11, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we receive a material harvest from you? So when someone comes to minister to us and blesses us spiritually, we in turn should be willing to bless them materially. It's one of the reasons why, as a church, we often give a gift, a financial gift, to those who come and visit us and and preach to us and and bless us with their ministry. Then thirdly, the practice in the temple demonstrated the same principle. Those who work in the temple should get their food from the temple. Verse 13. But then lastly, Paul kind of sealed this argument by quoting Jesus. Verse 14. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So this is a very clear biblical principle. Paul, as an apostle, as a preacher of the gospel, had the right to be financially supported by these Christians in Corinth. And as believers in Jesus, we too have certain rights. We too have personal rights. We have the the right to enjoy the fruit of our work. We have the right to spend our income as we want, without anybody else telling us what to do with it. We have the right to do what we want with our possessions. We have the the freedom to choose the lifestyle, the, 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 the level of lifestyle that we're going to enjoy. These are freedoms that God has given us. So Paul had these rights given by God. But Paul did not write this passage to impose these rights. He didn't say these things so that he would get more money. Instead, he wrote it to show how he had refused that money. Look at verse 15. But I have not used any of these rights. And I'm not writing in the hope that you will do such things for me. This was not a fundraising exercise for Paul. He was not looking for money. Now we need to be really clear what Paul was saying here. I know that some people, they have misquoted some of the teaching of of the Apostle Paul to say that money is the root of all evil. Maybe you've heard some people quote that. Money is the root of all evil. But that's not what Paul believed. Paul actually said to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6 and 10, the love of money is our root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money that's a problem. So Paul knew the temptation to love money. But he didn't reject money as something evil. After all, Paul earned money through his work, through making tents. And he received money as a gift from other churches. And of course, he spent money to provide for his needs. Paul had not taken a vow of poverty. That's not what's going on here. 
And so what Paul decided to do when he went to Corinth was, when he was in there, he refused to receive money from the Corinthians. He didn't go to Corinth and receive money from them. He refused that right. This was his choice. Nobody forced him to do this. And he wasn't telling other people to do exactly the same either. He wasn't criticizing Peter or the other apostles because they had a different practice. He was just saying that this was his personal choice. When he was in Corinth, he refused to take any money from the Corinthians. And as Christians, we sometimes have to have the, uh, might make the choice, the personal decision to refuse our rights. To restrict our freedoms. To give away what really belongs to us. Of course, nobody has the right to force us to do this. Nobody has the right to tell us that we need to do this. But each man should give, Paul says in the second letter to the church, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a personal decision. This needs to be a voluntary decision. This is something that we choose to do rather than somebody tell us what to do. But these choices can sometimes be incredibly costly. They certainly were for Paul. For Paul, this meant that he had to work much harder, much longer than he would otherwise need to. He wrote to the church in Thessalonica, we worked night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. I think he actually means night and day. I guess what he, what he means was maybe during the day he, he ministered the gospel and during the night he, he, he worked on his business to finance that ministry. It also meant that sometimes he had to do without. He wrote to the Philippians, I have learned the secret of being content whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. As, a, as an apostle, sometimes Paul was poor. Didn't have any money in his pocket. Didn't have any food on his table. And we too need to be willing to consider laying down our rights, giving away our possessions, even when it costs us dearly. Like the widow of Jesus, that Jesus noticed putting two copper coins into the temple treasury who out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. So the Apostle Paul, when he was in Corinth, he voluntarily gave up his rights and sacrificially laid down his freedoms and his privileges. But why? Why did Paul do it? Why did Paul refuse to take what was, in a sense, rightfully his? What were his reasons? Well, I think he gives three here in our passage. First of all, it was for the sake of the gospel. 
Verse 12, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. We put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. If Paul had accepted their money, then some people might just have presumed that he was just another travelling teacher who was motivated by greed. Lots of people in those days did that. They travelled around, philosophers, teachers, and they went and they spoke and they expected to get financed for it. And if Paul had just been like that, then he was afraid that some people, they just wouldn't have listened to him. Especially because his message was a call to deny themselves and to take up their cross and follow Jesus. So greed and the gospel, they just don't match. They are contradictory. And so to avoid any possible misunderstanding, to make sure he did not create any barriers to people hearing the gospel, he refused to take any money from this local church. Paul was willing to lose out so that others would be saved. So I wonder, are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to set aside our rights and our freedoms to prioritize the gospel? Are we willing to sacrifice our time to tell people about Jesus? Are we willing to live simply so that people can watch us and see that our home is not on earth, but our home is in heaven? Are we willing to to give out of our own finances to, to finance world mission, the mission of sharing the gospel with all nations? Are we willing to live like that? Are we willing to follow Jesus in this way? Because, of course, that's what he did. In a much more radical way, Jesus set aside his rights, his privileges for the salvation of the lost. This is what Paul says in his second letter to this church. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus set aside his rights, his privileges, the glories of heaven, and went to the cross so that we could be brought into the share of his glory. So Paul's first reason for doing this was for the sake of the gospel. The second was that so in preaching the gospel, And we offer it free of charge. The gospel of Jesus is the good news of God's amazing free gift of grace. Jesus paid the price of our salvation in full on the cross. So that we don't need any other payment. No other sacrifice, no other payment, no other good works required. We just need to simply trust in Jesus for that salvation. So those of us who have received that salvation, we have received that as a free gift. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
And so when we preach the good news, we must offer it as a free gift. I think it would just be ridiculous to charge people to hear the message of a free gift. Wouldn't it? It just wouldn't match up. So that's why we as a church offer all of our outreach events for free. That's why we give away Bibles without charging them. That's why on Sundays we have a box at the door. Or we, we, we give our, do our giving through bank to bank transfer. So that no visitor, whoever comes into our church, will ever be asked for money. Because the gospel is the gospel, the good news of God's free gift of grace. So we need to offer it freely. But thirdly, Paul was willing to refuse this money. Because really he wasn't doing it for the money. Sharing the gospel was not a job for Paul. It was his passion. It was his life. Because he'd been called by God to do this. See verse 16. When I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. And because Paul knew that he was called, he didn't feel that he deserved anything for doing it. He wasn't doing it and then thinking, well, guys, I deserve something for this. He was like the servants in Jesus' parables that serve their masters, but don't expect any reward in return. But they simply say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. When servants do their duty, they don't expect a pat in the back. They don't expect a present. They don't expect any reward. Because I've just done what they should. And that should be our attitude too. Do you remember in chapter 6, verse 20 of, of this letter we're reading? Paul said, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. We have been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. We have been bought back from slavery to sin and to death and to hell. So now we belong to God. And so we should honour God with our bodies, with our money, with our time, with our energy. And we shouldn't expect anything back in return for doing this because in reality everything that we are and everything that we have already belongs to God. We're just simply giving Him what He deserves. What He already owns. We've been called as servants of Christ. And so when we serve, we're only doing our duty. But the amazing thing is that when we do serve in this way, God in His grace wants to reward us again. Paul did have a reward. There was a future reward. We're going to see that in a couple of weeks. But there was also a present reward. Verse 18. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge. And so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Paul's reward 
was just the joy of preaching the gospel for free. The deep sense of fulfilment and satisfaction in sharing something of infinite value for free. And so faithfully serving his Lord and Saviour. I think Jesus knew the satisfaction of that. He said in John chapter 4, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what Jesus lived for. That's what gave him satisfaction. That's what gave him joy. Just serving his Father. So it's costly to give the Lord his rightful place in our lives. It's costly to make a priority of sharing the gospel. But we never lose out when we set aside our rights for the Lord. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, Jesus said. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So Paul had the right to be supported as an apostle. But he refused that right. And his reasons were for the gospel's sake, so that he could share it as a gift, and so he could honour God's call. But in doing this, he had a better reward than any amount of money. He had the joy of serving the one who loved him and gave himself for him. So I wonder if we are willing to do the same. Are we willing to commit ourselves to living in this way? To set aside our rights, our freedoms, even in a world that emphasises what our rights are. To set aside them because we prioritise God's kingdom. And so we too will share in the joy of glorifying our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ.